0: welcome to the brave podcast my name is connie jacob and today i am excited to take you through the steps that i took teachers through yesterday at a teacher's conference on self-care strategies that work. Now, it doesn't matter if you're a teacher, an executive, a mom at home, doesn't matter. These strategies are things that I have learned over the years that go so much deeper than just get a good sleep or eat better. Because here's the thing, I don't know about you, but If I just could do those things, wouldn't that be fantastic? But a lot of us struggle with just the simple things because we're overwhelmed. And that is the number one thing that I'm hearing right now in my line of work, whether it be nonprofit, whether it be business, whether it be education, I'm hearing the word overwhelm. And so today, I want to take you through what actually works, what self-care strategies really work. And so I want to start with asking you a question. What has been your resting emotional state as of late? What is the emotion that you're feeling mostly? And so, for example, for me, you know, we, we are paradoxes as humans. We can feel all kinds of emotions all at the same time. For me, I often will feel worry because I'm a mom. I've got two boys and they have their own individual needs, their own problems, their own things that they go through. And as a mom, I carry that. But I also feel very joyful. I'm always feeling joyful. I might feel overwhelmed at times. I might feel tired. But those are the two that I could really pinpoint, worry and joy. So for you, just really sitting down thinking, yeah, like, What have I been feeling lately? What's the, what what comes to the surface? That's number one. Number two, what does that thought sound like? If it was a sentence in your mind, what would it say? So for example, let's take my resting emotional state of worry. It often will sound like, I can't do this. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to help my kids sometimes and that's why i feel worried because it's like oh no if i don't know how to help them oh dear what's going to happen to them so that's an example so for you what does that emotion sound like as a sentence in your mind now if this is hard you could start with what have i been thinking lately what are some of the thoughts going through my head that that have been there and then go backwards and go now how does that feel Sometimes people find it hard to start with emotion and go to thought. Some people find it easier to go from thought to emotion. So pick which one works for you. And then the third question is, what behaviors am I noticing that are coming out as a result? And this is where we have to be really careful. We can't judge them. We just have to notice them. We're so quick to judge our own behaviors that we often human nature will ignore them. But we don't want to do that. We actually want to look them square in the face. And so for me, I know that my resting emotional state of worry, and how that sounds in my mind, I can't do this. Sometimes my behavior will come out as withdrawal, or freezing, or procrastination or distracting myself. And I'm just going to notice it. That's all I'm going to do. Now, those three steps is something that I coach myself in daily. It's kind of how I look at my own internal world. How am I doing? And how often do we do that as adults? How often do we look at our own internal world and go, hmm, how am I doing? And we wonder why we're so stressed. We wonder why we're so overwhelmed is because we never really acknowledge what's going on inside of us. And that is the starting place. Now, some people might think, oh, no, if I do that, I'm going to have all kinds of things come up. Well, I would say that that's an alarm then. That's an alarm for you to pay attention to. We need to heed our own inner world. Now, there is one more step to this. What's my resting emotional state? How does that sound in my mind if it was a sentence? And what behaviors are coming out? But the fourth question that I ask myself is, who am I and who do I have the courage to become? Because if my emotions, my thoughts and my behaviors aren't aligning to who I want to be, then that's where I have an opportunity. That's the opportunity. But oftentimes we are human doings. We are always doing work. We're always rushing here. We're doing that. We're, we're producing this. We're working. We're cleaning. We're driving We're never really sitting there and really thinking about, am I aligning to myself? And so this is where I start. This is where I start with teachers. This is where I start with workplaces. This is where I start because everything else that I'm about to, to bring you through in this podcast, this needs to be the foundation because if it's not, it's just a strategy and if you want strategies, all you have to do is go on Google and just type in top three ways to manage my anxiety or what's the best self-care practices. And they'll tell you. But the reason why that doesn't work is because we, we have to cultivate our inner world. We have to have some kind of foundation. And so this is how I bring myself back down. This is how I anchor myself. And I have found it to be extremely helpful. It helps organize my brain. My brain isn't scattered after I do this exercise. And what's beautiful about this is that I don't even have to journal this. I can literally be driving to work and just ask myself, what's my resting emotional state? What does that sound like in my mind? What are the behaviors that are coming out? And who do I have the courage to actually become? And then we notice gaps. As soon as we go from our emotions, thoughts, and behaviors and who we actually want to be, we're going to see a gap. Now, this is where shame can come in and shut us down and and tell us all kinds of things. Well, you're not doing this. See, you're not being who you really want to be. But this is where we bring in the self-care practice. The first self-care practice that I want to bring up is this idea of attunement. Attuning inside to yourself is what we've just done. But now sometimes you might find it helpful to talk this through with somebody else. Attunement rewires the brain and your brain has been wired a certain way through the experiences of your day and of your life. And the only way our brain gets rewired is, of course, by walking ourselves through these things, but also through talking it through with somebody else who will truly listen, not somebody who says, oh my goodness, me too. You should l- listen to what happened to me. Or have you tried this? Just somebody who will listen. And this is why I really believe in coaching. I believe coaching is so important because coaches, good coaches, know how to hold space and listen and ask great questions. Questions And usually you coach yourself right out of whatever you're feeling. So that would be a really great next step. But if you don't have that right now, here's something that I do often. I don't do this daily, but I do this whenever I feel stuck. Every controllable needs an action plan. So what am I going to do about that? This is where I am leaning into that gap, the gap between what I'm thinking, feeling, and behaving this is where we're going to now do something about it. And so an action step is something that I can repeat, something that I can actually do. Now, I don't want to have five different action steps. I want to pick one. So for example, I can choose when I go to bed and when I wake up in the morning. Now, I might not like waking up in the morning and I might not like the idea of going to bed. And so I'm going to create an action step for myself. And I'm going to repeat that over and over and over. I'm going to do that one thing over and over and over until I get it. A lot of people, and the reason why a lot of people struggle is they have too many goals. They have too many things that they're working on. We pick one thing and we master that. Maybe we take a month and we really get it down. And then we add something else. And this becomes a new pattern. I remember When I realized that the only time I was going to get in my day that was truly mine was going to be like five in the morning. And you have to understand, I do not like mornings, but I remember thinking to myself, if I could just get to the coffee machine, like, let's not even say, let's wake up in the morning. Let's say, let's wake up and get to the coffee machine. if I could just get from the coffee machine to the couch with my coffee, put some earphones in and just get a really great podcast on to wake myself up. That helped me. And I did that for a month and it became routine. And now my mornings, they they make me come alive. In fact, I, I don't actually have a morning routine. I call it a morning retreat. Every morning, I allow myself to do something that makes my soul sing. That's what I do. And I love it. it. It just prepares me for my day. There's no pressure. I don't have to do this and I don't have to do that. And I think a lot of us, the reason why self-care sounds hard is because there's all these things that we keep hearing we have to do. You have to wake up early. You have to work out. You have to eat healthy. And that just feels hard because nobody wants to be shoulded on. Nobody wants to feel like they have to do it because that's just another thing on our list now. So the morning retreat has really helped me. So that came out of what I can control and an action plan. And the action plan was not to have a morning retreat at first. The action plan was to get to the coffee maker. And then from there, we could go and do different things. So that's the first thing is controllables, listing out everything you can control and coming up with one action step. But the second one is to list out everything that you can't control. And there's many of those things. There's many. In fact, that list will be longer. And for every uncontrollable, you need a coping plan. How are you going to cope with that? And that's where the ambiguity comes in. And I loved what one educator said yesterday in this conference that I was at. She said, we, we, you don't want to think about having to do these things, but move towards them. Move towards the coping plans. Move towards the action step you know is the right step. And I loved that because it really allows you to dive into the mess that this is. This isn't about doing it right and wrong. This is about being on a journey. You know, maybe I didn't get to the coffee maker seven days a week, but maybe I got there three times last week and I'm going to celebrate that oftentimes. And this is why I love working in the science of flourishing because flourishing is about noticing where your strengths are, noticing what you're doing right so that you can do more of that. A self-care strategy that works is noticing what you're doing right and keep doing that thing. Whereas a lot of times in resilience, we talk about all the hard things that we're overcoming and all those things that I should do. And we have this all or nothing mentality. I'm either going to do it all or I'm going to do nothing. And many of us are choosing nothing because there's no way we can do it all. And so I love the idea of moving towards. I loved that language because it's going to be messy, you're going to have days where you do an amazing job at your action. And then there's going to be days where it just doesn't work, or you're not up for it. And that's okay. The idea is to focus on when you do and celebrate it. So what we've done, let me just recap from here, because I'm going to move us on to the next step. So we've, we've really looked at our inner world, we've attuned inward by looking at what have what are my resting emotional states been? What what thoughts are coming out of that and behaviors? And who do I have the courage to become? Who am I? And is it aligning? Now I'm going to talk it out with somebody or I'm going to journal it. I'm going to do something to get it organized, to attune to myself. And now what I'm doing is I'm taking the mess that I noticed, the, the gap between what I am right at this moment and who I want to be, And I'm listing out my controllables and action step, my uncontrollables, and the way I'm going to cope with those. And now I'm going to move on to noticing the rhythms of my life. You know, there's seasons, there's seasons in our lives that are more intense, and then there's seasons that are less intense. And like, let's just use a teacher for an example, because their work year is is intense other than summer. So I asked these teachers, what are your high intense moments and what are the lower ones now instantly they said it's all intense now that's not true for any of us. None of us have it's always all intense, but there are moments so for example for a teacher it could be report cards, it could be leading up to Christmas, it could be September, those things are intense. And then when are the lower moments my intense seasons of my life need energy management. I need an energy management plan. I need to know how am I going to refuel so that in the intense times I can let go of certain things, especially all the shoulds. Maybe I'm not going to be able to work out seven days a week. Maybe in an intense season, I'm only going to be able to work out for 20 minutes, three times a week. That's just the way it is. But if you know the rhythms and the seasons, if you can start keeping track, if you don't know, just start keeping track. I keep a calendar on my fridge. And well, to be honest, my calendar tracks everything. It tracks when I've eaten clean, it tracks my weight, it tracks um, what, uh, when my, my, my time of the month comes, because I'm at the age where I should probably be noticing that Um, I, I mark when I have headaches so that I can start seeing patterns. And for you, that might be helpful to do that, not only physically for your physical health, but also for just your seasons. What What months are more intense for you? And when you know that, you can plan for them. You can start to manage your energy in lower seasons so that in the higher seasons, you have some stamina. So that's the next step in a self-care strategy that works. My last one, and it's actually my favorite one, but if you skip to this one, without at least doing your your daily check-in of your emotional thoughts and behaviors and who you want to become. I mean, really, all of this just ends up being a tool and a strategy that may or may not work. We have to manage the garden of our heart first, always. But this is my favorite. It's listing out all of your strengths. List out all your strengths. And I don't mean just your talents or your abilities or your giftings. I also mean the internal strengths. The internal strengths that you have are things that probably have been formed in you through hard times. Like for me, for example, you know, the hardest moments of my life have shown me that I can be brave and that I can show up when it's hard. And now it's just a part of me. That's what hard times bring. I think that it's really important to write out the things that the fire has forged in your life. Because those are strengths that can be used now to leverage you forward. So don't just write out your giftings, write out what has been forged through the fire and what are the opportunities that are attached to those strengths. So, for example, there was a time when I felt that I needed to resign from my company and that was a scary thought because that's what I had done for 12 years. That was my bread and butter. And if I was going to resign, I needed to know I had a plan, but I didn't have a plan. I I just had a very thick, sick sense that I needed to resign. And so I did. But then I couldn't even get a job at a bookstore. I I brought in a paper resume, if you could believe this. Here I am in my mid-40s bringing in a paper resume to a bookstore. And they're looking at me like, nobody does this anymore. How old are you? You are so outdated. I I remember it being quite a low moment. I'm like, I am officially a middle-aged woman who is irrelevant. But then I remembered my strengths. I remembered that one of my greatest resources is my network. My network, I am great at networking. I am great at connection. I'm great at relationships. And so I knew a man who I had met through an event that I had spoken at, and I had met him uh, a couple of other times. And I gave him a call and I said, Hey, I, I know that you're working in workplace mental health. Do you think that maybe somehow I could help you with that? And he took a few days and he came back and called me up and he said, Let's do it. And he is now my boss. Which is, isn't that neat? Like that was my strength. My strength was my network. My strength was relationships. And I moved on that strength into an opportunity. So for you, what are your strengths and what are the opportunities connected to that strength? And I would say that if there's a gap, who do you need to become in order to attain that opportunity? What skills are you going to need? Do you need to get a course? Do you need to get a coach? Do you need to go back to school? Do you need some kind of strength that you could start building into you? What do you need in order to get to that opportunity? What are we building through all of these self-care strategies, which, by the way, I don't call self-care. I call self-ownership. Culture creators, leaders. They know that they have to own their own lives. And what is all of this creating inside of you? Well, the first, the internal is creating a foundation. It's creating a a way for you to be able to catch and release other people's emotions. It's allowing you to become emotionally regulated as a person. It's allowing you to be able to have your brain organized. So when something really hard gets thrown at you, you're not thrown off the way you would be if you didn't manage your own inner world. You can take the hard stuff. And then coming up with the uncontrollables, the controllables, the rhythms, and also your strengths and opportunities, what is that creating inside of you? That's creating a growth mindset. It's creating emotional intelligence It's creating the soft skills that actually every human being right now needs in this world to be able to make it because we are in a time in history where soft skills rule, where a creative brain is going to make it. Whereas somebody who's just barely surviving, they're going to find living in this day and age really hard. And so I hope that you have found these self-care strategies, which really aren't self-care strategies, they're ways to manage your mental health, your emotional health, your social health, your even your physical health, and be able to leverage you forward to be able to make it in today's world. If you found this helpful, I'd say subscribe to my podcast. I don't always just come on here solo. I bring in people who talk about how they are living this out. I love featuring people who are living out a brave life themselves. But in the meantime, keep being brave, keep showing up, Keep owning yourself and know that opportunities are always there for those who see them.